All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into GoodRanchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Hi, this is Nick Freitas with Making the Argument and back by popular demand, my wife Tina, the one you all really like in this duo. Aww. So that's not true. Well, look, I, I promised this a, a couple episodes ago that we were going to do another one of these um, because specifically what we're going to talk about today is some of the ideas of racism and sexism on the left. I know it's crazy, right? Because we're so used to hearing about all the racism and sexism on the right. And typically racism or sexism on the right is defined by anytime we disagree with a left-wing policy about taxes or transportation or whatever it is, we're automatically accused of being racist and sexist, right? And there's, there's no real objective definition to this. It's just when it's politically convenient to accuse us of those things, they do it. But we have a really concrete example on racism and, and I would say sexism, Tina's going to explain some of the sexism with her experience running for office with respect to what we just saw with Tim Scott and his response to the State of the Union address. Now, if you, if you looked at what Tim Scott had to say, and Tina and I have both met Tim Scott, incredibly nice guy, right? Just a, not, not just someone that we agree with politically. I mean, I would say that I mean, we met him at a, at a dinner a couple of years ago and just, just a really not, genuinely nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he gets up and he delivers the Republican response to the State of the Union. Now, again, if, if you remember the, the narrative that we hear on the left, it's that they want more minorities in politics, more women in politics, right? And, and generally, as conservatives, what we want is we want good people in politics. That, that's what we want. And we think good people come from every race and they, they're men, they're women, but we want, we want good people in office. And so... Um, and it doesn't even mean someone that we're always going to necessarily agree with. We just want good, honest, hardworking people. So Tim Scott clearly fits those definitions. But the moment he gave the State of the Union, the left-wing reaction to Tim Scott was, I mean... Racist. Absolutely <laughs> racist. Yeah. I mean, Uncle Tim trended on Twitter for hours. And... From woke, liberal, white guys. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Well, I and mean, it was just, it was amazing to me because... If you look at what Tim Scott said, he gave a very reasonable response. He didn't get up there and say, racism has never existed in America. No, he got up yeah. there and said, racism has existed. It he, currently exists. He's even experienced racism. He's experienced? It's, yeah. It, it, it's, you're not, he, he's not saying he hasn't experienced it, but he is trying to say that yeah, fundamentally. Yeah, fundamentally, we're not a racist country. And, and he was also talking about how some of the plans that Biden is putting forward and some of the ideas that he's putting forward is going to be detrimental to all Americans. And for that, he was excoriated. He was called an Uncle Tom. He was called an Uncle Tim. 
Um, but what's really funny is that the very next day, Kamala Harris was asked the same exact yeah. question, and she said, no, I don't believe it's a racist country, but we do have some yeah. racism. So she basically gave a summarized version of what Tim said, and yeah, but she time. she got a pass because it's not it's not about it's just about whether or not you regurgitate the left's talking points. Yeah. But if you don't, it's okay as long as you're there. Per, you belong to them. Like they feel like they have you yeah. on their side. Well, and that begs the question, right? Because the, the some people got up and said, well, they picked Tim Scott because he's the token black Republican. This is them saying this. And and uh, this was pointed out by other people. It's like, well, wait a second. Joe Biden said he was going to select a black female to be vice president, right? He, he didn't say I'm going to select the best person. And oh, by the way, it happens to be a black woman, which would have been great, right? That That's fine. No, it was, he set out to select someone based off of their color, based off of their gender, right? But then when Tim Scott gets up and gives a, a completely reasonable address to talk about an issue that he has personal experience and authority with, they have the audacity to say, well, that's just tokenism. So, you know, and, and again, it's not just with race. You know, we, we're probably, I mean, not a lot of people can say this, right? We're, we're a married couple where both of us have run for political office. That's true. Yeah. Um, Tina ran for, for state Senate, challenged a Republican that didn't have a very Republican voting record and a the lot of The most left-wing Republican <laughs> in Virginia who lives, uh, resides actually in an almost 70% Republican district. So, so Tina stepped up and challenged him and challenged him along, you know, principles, challenged him along, this is your voting record. I don't think it corresponds mm -hmm. with our values. And so I'm going to challenge you in the primary. And what was interesting for me, I mean, you've experienced this with me where people say horrible things about me and you'll be going through Facebook yeah. and getting angry. And I'm, I always got used to telling Tina, like, you know, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. This is just the way it is. Then all of a sudden she was running and now I'm seeing. I had to be like, it's okay, honey. It's all right. I've got this. You yeah. don't need to defend me. Oh, and it's funny because down. I was always wanting to defend you before. Yeah. And no. uh, when people would say or do mean things toward me, mm. you you finally got to get a taste oh, of that yeah. and see how thing. hard it is to yeah. not respond to everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, gosh, even, even in our last, uh, you know, making the argument that we did together, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we had some folks that were freaking out when I said, <laughs> oh, where are all of our trolls on this? I, oh my gosh, <laughs> you owe everyone an, an apology, apology for <laughs> using the word trolls. Yeah. Well, but here's what I here's what I find interesting about this, right? The general the general left wing narrative is we need more people in politics because of their color, because of their sex. Okay, that fine. Let's just let's just assume we all agree with that, right? I personally, again, I go back to the what are your principles? I, I'm not all that concerned necessarily about someone's ethnicity or their you know, sex when it comes to when they run for office. I wanna know about what their ideas are. Mm -hmm. And, but having said that, I can also appreciate that there are distinctions that people make mm -hmm. and I can appreciate why someone might feel encouraged because someone of their race or someone of their sex got elected to office, especially when you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago in US history, that was incredibly difficult to do because of someone's sex or because of someone's race. So I, I recognize the value in saying, hey, this is a good thing when someone is able to get beyond barriers mm -hmm. that, um, you know, 
certainly used to exist. I mean, we can debate all along, I mean, how steep those barriers are now, well, but... on uh, just... It also kind of makes sense as well that people want uh, folks with a similar background to yeah. them um, so that they feel like you know what it's like to be to to go through what they're going through and things mm -hmm. like that. It's the same reason why uh, when I look at uh, candidates, sometimes military experience will really stand out to mm -hmm. me and I'll go, oh, they know the struggle mm -hmm. that military folks are dealing with. And, and if they're running for Congress, good, because then they will know you know, whether or not it's a good idea to get into some of these wars yeah. and things like that. So, I mean, and you can apply that across the board, you know, mm -hmm. you, you might, if education's really important to you, you might want um, people who've been in the field of teaching or, mm -hmm. uh, there is a lot to be said for that. And, and a lot of it is, I want, I want to be able to have somebody that I identify with. Yeah, and, and I can see how sex and race and, and some of these um, other uh, distinctions could could be could matter. the mm -hmm. The big issue to me is that it shouldn't be the only factor. Mm -hmm. um, I never, never vote for somebody based on sex. I I love the idea of having a really strong woman in office, of course, because mm -hmm. I'm a woman and and that's exciting. Um, but if her policies stink, I'm not voting for her because I'm not a sexist. <laughs> you know. Well, and, and and that's what I want to go into is that the. Like I expected you to get, I expected you to get, you know, hammered on certain issues. Mm -hmm. um, I expect people to go after <laughs> you on policy and policy disagreements. What but I they found, didn't. <laughs> well, what I found interesting was how liberals, especially white liberal men, yeah, treated you. Yeah, and you've got a really interesting story with something that happened. So you need to tell that story. <laughs> we were going around doing coffee with the candidate and uh, my came, campaign team would schedule something. They'd get permission from wherever we were, mm -hmm. a coffee shop or um, or another facility or place. Um, but we, we would have a group of people that just wanted to come and ask questions. And I would have coffee with them and we'd answer questions. And it was just a really relaxed situation. And uh, I was sitting in a booth at a coffee shop in uh, Stanton. Mm -hmm. And was it Stanton? I think it was. Yeah. Anyway, um, I had probably six or so um, other people around me, maybe one, I think one man, but the rest were women and um, all in their like 70s, roughly. Mm -hmm. And then I also had my campaign staff there. And we were kind of talking in a low tone because we didn't want to interrupt people around us. Mm. Um, and we're in a booth. And apparently there was somebody having lunch, you know, in the booth in front of us. And I had no idea. I guess his back was turned to me. And when he got up, he turns to me and, and says, thanks a lot for ruining my effing mm -hmm. lunch. And I just, I, I couldn't understand yeah. why I was being treated this way. And um, I, I thought he was talking to somebody else at first. Mm -hmm. And he started to, proceeded to lambast me for my forked tongue, um, evil, uh, conservative views. Because we were, I mean, we were discussing things like the ERA. We were discussing things like the right to life. Um, gun issues because to me um gun issues are very strong you know women's issue <laughs> yeah. because it's a great equalizer um and so 
you know, we were just going through voting records and and talking about policy. It wasn't even, I wasn't giving a speech or anything like that. We were just having a quiet conversation. And he he just went on this tirade with F-bombs and every other expletive you could think of and just, I mean, yelling in this place to where everybody was turning and looking at us. And the woman behind the counter, thank God, I mean, she was probably, uh, I, I wouldn't say that she was a conservative, probably, because <laughs> um, it was kind of a liberal area. But um, she recognized that is not okay. Yeah. And um, she asked him to leave. And on his way out, he was screaming about me, you know, being a traitor to yeah. like my gender and things like that. And what was really interesting is I heard some ladies at another table and they they were asking what what's going on and and they leaned over and oh she's a republican oh <laughs> just like that and uh. it, so it's really funny because that's not the first time that had or not the only time that happened. that happened i had another situation like that too um saying that the things i was talking about were inappropriate mm-hmm. um i was talking about policy i was mm-hmm. talking about things like tax policy it's so mm. inappropriate and <laughs> It was just very, very interesting. And so it, what I learned is that if you think running for office as a conservative woman, you're going to somehow be treated nicer than the men, you're absolutely mistaken. Um, because liberal men love to find a woman they can abuse. I feel like, I know that sounds horrible, but I mean. Verbally. <laughs> verbally abuse, whatever. Um, they... It's like they have this pent up anger and mm-hmm. they they maybe they're really deep down misogynists who hate women, but they're so afraid of the women in their lives that they don't, um, you know, speak up and, and maybe stand up for themselves. So then it just festers. And then when they see a Republican woman, it's like, ding, ding, ding. I can go ahead and spew all my horrible vitriol all over this woman and abuse her up one side and down the other. And everyone will think it's totally okay because she deserves it for mm-hmm. betraying her gender. Well, and I think that's that's the biggest thing to me that seems like a common thread. You saw when Sarah Palin ran for office. And you know, regardless of what you thought about Sarah Palin as a candidate, I mean, I thought that she was the only person that really brought life to the McCain campaign. I'm pretty campaign. sure I never saw the C word used in politics so much as when yeah. she actually yeah. ran for office. It was horrible. Yeah. I mean, even in their photography, they would take pictures from behind her, between her calves yeah. of the crowd in front of her. Yeah. And and that's the picture they're using in some, uh, you know, blogger or maybe it was well, an I- article. It's just... It's so it's so ridiculous that you you can treat conservative women like total garbage because she refuses to regurgitate your talking points. Well, I think that's that is one of the things that I think has become common within political discourse is that people are assigning a political philosophy or a political position or a political party to someone and just assuming that if you're a particular race or you know you're you're you know, a particular gender, well, then you've got to think these ways because after all, we're the party that stands up for you. We're the party that protects you. And if you don't accept that protection or if you, you know, God forbid, you actually agree with the way that we're proposing to take care of you or protect you, then you're not just wrong. You're a traitor, 
right? So like when it's a when it's a cisgendered white male, they just assume because we're all mean bad people, right? That of course. You know, we'll we're we might be a Republican, but my it, gosh, unless it's their cisgendered well, white no, but males. but that's what I'm talking about. Those. But that's what I'm I'm talking about. It's this idea that like I I can't imagine looking at a person and just you know automatically assuming that it, it's not just that you do think a certain way because because obviously we we all you know we can all look at voting demographics and say okay you know. Mm-hmm. You know, certain people tend to vote certain ways. You know, if you live in a rural county versus an urban district or whatnot, like we can, those generalizations are not necessarily bad or inappropriate. But I can't imagine looking at someone in a particular light, especially based off of their race or their gender, and thinking to myself, if they don't vote the way I think they should, they're a traitor. And because they're a traitor, I don't have to treat them with the same respect that I demand everyone else treat people with. Well, I mean, I really feel like that's across the board. I mean, that's that's on us all over the place. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, how how many times have you gotten messages and and comments and things like that talking mm-hmm. about how, you know, you and your family deserve to be in a concentration camp? <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. these people do this. I mean, even just yesterday, I saw an article about um who was it? Jerry Falwell went into the hospital mm-hmm. and someone here in our local paper was like, good. Yeah. Just good. Yeah. I just feel like there's so much hatred there that no matter what it is, they'll, they'll latch onto something to hate well, you and, for. And, and the other thing I want to point out here is that this, this doesn't mean I don't think that there's hatred on the right. Oh, there is. There, there absolutely is. What, what I'm, what I find interesting is the nature of the hatred. And, and this is not to say that, well, hatred over here is perfectly justified and okay or good. I'm not saying that. I, again, my faith says that I'm not allowed to hate. Mm-hmm. It, it's, not a, it's not a convenient thing. It's not something I just choose not to engage. I'm not allowed to hate. Now, there's certain ideas or there's certain actions that I can hate, but I am literally not permitted by my faith to hate other people because I see all people as created in the image of God. They have unique inherent worth and purpose and and everything else. Mm -hmm. And that's why, again, it comes down to this idea of how do you, I I think one of the biggest problems that we have, and it's not liberalism, right? I always stress this. It's not liberalism. It's the opposite. But there's a a component within leftism, and you see this within critical theory, right? Whether that critical theory is based off of class, whether that critical theory is based off of race, whether that critical theory is based off of gender, where all of a sudden, we're now categorizing people as if you fall into this category based off of immutable things like race or like gender, then you are supposed to think certain ways about a particular issue. And not just that, and we're not talking about broad issues. Like obviously, yes, if you don't think that certain people should have voting rights based off of their skin color, that's bigotry, right? Mm-hmm. There's just, That's just inherently horrible and bad and evil. Absolutely. But if, if you don't agree with, but that gets extended to, if you don't agree with my tax policy, because my tax policy, the intention of my tax policy is to help a particular group, even if I don't think that your tax policy will help that group, it doesn't matter because your stated intention was to do this, then all of a sudden I'm a bad guy. And and, and that is amplified if you're a woman, if you're a conservative woman opposing a tax policy that the left says is going to help women, well, then you're bad. It doesn't matter that you have a, a dozen reasons why you don't think it's actually going to help women. Mm-hmm. You're bad because that's their policy, and they're the gatekeepers on what constitutes good for women or good for minorities. And that level of arrogance 
is just incredible to me and it manifests itself. And I, and I feel like that frustration and you said it manifests itself when, again, when they see me, they think again, white, straight male, Patriarch. right? They just expect me to be bad, but oh my gosh, a woman is now saying well, that. Well, no, no. I mean, or a black man like Tim Scott is saying it. Let's be perfectly honest about what they, what they think. Mm. Um, I have been told many, many times that I only think the way I do because my husband tells me how to think. <laughs> oh, if only that were true. <laughs> but in reality, oh my gosh. I tell him how to think. Are you kidding me? No, I'm kidding. Um, the matriarchy is strong here. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, is that uh, I love my husband and I. one of the reasons I fell in love with him was because mm. we are so, we are on the same page. Um, as far as the way we think about things and, and our belief system. and When um, you saw Hillary Clinton making that claim, it was in her book, What Happened, which her face was on the cover. It answered, it was, it was the first book I saw that asked and answered the question right in the same thing. But one of the things she said was that, yeah, we have this problem with all these women just voting along with their husbands. And it's like, wait a second. That, that, is, an, that is a horrible assumption to make. And, and what are you basing that off of statistically to, to suggest that because someone is in a loving marital relationship that all of a sudden now they're, they're going to change fundamentally what they might believe about a topic because of the nature of that relationship. I, yeah, again, I just, I, that's not reality. But the thing is, is that it's it's a convenient thing to say mm -hmm. because they can't understand why we don't subscribe necessarily to what they tell us we're supposed to subscribe mm -hmm. to. And so since... I mean, I, I mean, I even kind of think maybe they think I have no independent thought um, outside of you because maybe they feel like women have no independent thought outside of whoever's telling them how to think. And I, I feel like at the root of it, they just don't, they don't believe that women can process information. Well, when you, when you went into what I find interesting too, cause I had somebody, I had somebody ask me once, are you a feminist? Right. And because I'm married and my wife gives me all my thoughts, of course, I said, yes, <laughs> no, no, what it, what it, because again, funny. it's the matriarchy, man. It's the matriarchy. Um, no, what, what happened was, is I, I had a, I had a young woman come up to me at a campaign event and she asked me, are you a feminist? And I said, what do you mean by that? And, and the reason why I felt necessary to, to have her define the term for me is because, and Ben Shapiro talks about this as well. A lot of times on the left, they'll have a very, very broad definition for a term. You see this with things like anti-racist, or you see this with things like sexism or racism or, um, or feminism. And the problem is the moment you say, well, I don't agree with this aspect, all of a sudden, well, you're anti this. Well, no. So if you're talking about like that first wave feminism, which was women should be able to equally go out and compete in the marketplace. Women should not be barred um, from certain things by the government. Women should be able to vote. Women should be able to own property. Women should... Of course I agree with all those because on a, like on a moral level, there's perfect equality between men and women, right? Mm -hmm. Men are not superior to women. Women are not superior to men. There's, there's an equilibrium there um, with respect to our, our inherent moral worth. Um, and so I, I had to ask her to define it because when you start to look at things like third and fourth wave feminism, and this goes back to your point, right? They started to treat marriage as if marriage was, I mean, you had fourth wave feminists comparing marriage to rape, comparing marriage to, you know, a man owning a woman as property. It was property. like oppressive. Yeah. And, and 
the, the thing is, is that if you go back in history, you can definitely see elements of that. Yeah, right? and those guys got poisoned. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> but no, you, you can definitely see elements of, of how marriage was thought of as an institution at different points of history and say that, yeah, that was a total unequal relationship. Yeah. That was Those were not two people that were treated as, um, as, as if they had equal moral value, right? One was was subservient in an immoral sense. Um, well, so and I, you're I, still going to see that today because there are still crappy human beings that live on this earth. You know, yeah. you, you're you never going to completely eradicate people oppressing other people, mm-hmm. but is marriage itself an oppression? Absolutely not. Yeah, well, and, 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 but I think, there, I think that you do have a generation of people on the left that were fed this in college that marriage is by its very nature an oppressive institution. And so when Hillary Clinton says, well, yeah, the women that voted for, you know, voted for anyone other than me did so right. because they're bound to this oppressive institution. I think that's the reasoning. I'm not saying yeah. I agree with that. I, I think that's the reasoning that they use. Yeah, we were all supposed to clamor for Hillary Clinton, even though she was probably mm-hmm. Bill Clinton's um, victim's greatest oppressor. Yeah. I mean, she was relentlessly yeah. horrible to mm-hmm. the people he victimized. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of... Uh, well, and, and it goes women, back. Women can. I'm. I think. I think it's actually sexist to think that women can't be abusive or mm-hmm. or or abuse men. And and I I, I see. I would dis. That I would happen. disagree, but I'd, I'd be afraid of what you'd do to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I. I but I, again, I think part of what we try to do on this podcast is not just say that's wrong or isn't that ridiculous. Part of what we try to do on this podcast is actually try to understand where someone is coming from. And again, if, if you've had if you've had a group of people that have grown up in left-wing ideology that has taught them to believe that marriage is an oppressive institution which benefits men at the expense of women, well then it makes sense why Hillary Clinton would make that sort of suggestion. If if you are if you are defining society along racial lines, like with critical race theory, where you're saying that if you are born into a particular race, you are automatically in an oppressed class. And since the Democratic Party views you that way, the moment you refuse to view yourself that way, again, you're not, you don't just disagree. They consider you a traitor. And, and, I, and I think that explains in part why you see someone like Tim Scott or someone like you getting the sort of treatment that they do. Um, because it's almost as if the left feels like they were betrayed. And Right. I, I like. I can't imagine the again the hubris. The idea that you can that. think for yourself is so terrifying to them. Well, well and the... I, I, it really is. I mean, you talk to people, and and they just half the time I hear women regurgitating whatever the left has told them to regurgitate to say, mm-hmm. and if you give it a little bit of thought and you start going through it and you start realizing that all issues are women's issues and, mm. and why is this so important and why is that not important? And, well, you know, it, why is, why is feminism almost entirely built around the, uh, right to kill and dismember your own unborn child? Mm. I mean, honestly, it's, it's feminism now is nothing like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just kind of, well, the definitions it's, of what it's constitu- laughable. It's a mockery of what it used to be. Well, the definition of what constitutes empowerment ha- has changed a lot from like the early days of feminism versus later days of feminism. And and I was, and I'm sure, I'm sure I took heat for this, but I was having a discussion with somebody about it, and they were asking about 
feminism. And I said, you know, I can't help but feel at times that what early, you know, the women's movement, women's rights movement, I, I prefer to call that, what the women's rights movement was initially going for was the idea of equal rights before the law, equal ability to be able to compete within the marketplace. But then there was another component. You actually see this around prohibition too, right? And I didn't, I didn't, I don't support prohibition, um, but you actually saw part of it where you had a problem where you had a large sector of men in society that were failing to live up to their obligations to their wives, failing to live up to their obligations to their kids. You, you did have a, a boys will be boys mentality. And I don't mean boys will be boys in, in you know, kind of an innocent sense with respect to like rough housing or, or whatnot. I'm talking about men actively betraying their, their wives, their children, and their purpose. And, and, the, and you saw that with things like adultery, with promiscuity, with uh, rampant alcohol abuse and things like that. And you had women basically telling men, no, you need to step up and actually mm-hmm. carry your weight. And you don't get to sit there and, and hold us down while we're trying to carry our weight and your weight. Right. And I feel like, what, I feel like the compromise that men tried to strike with women right. was... And we're this not going to get. This is why so many men love feminism. Yeah, it's men, men's some men's response to that honest and I believe noble desire for equal rights and equal opportunity and equal responsibility. I feel like some men's approach to that was, we're not going to get better, but what if we let you in on the game? What I mean, hey, you know, again, promiscuity is a uh, it's a guy thing, right? That's boys being boys. Well, what if you be promiscuous too? I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't know a lot of guys in college that don't love the idea of consequenceless sex mm-hmm. as if there is any such thing because there isn't. But and and I know this is controversial to say, I don't really care because I see it being played out in society where I, I feel like some of the men that I've witnessed that are, are not part of this women's right, but a part of this like rampant feminism, they see an opportunity to bring women down to their level, mm-hmm. not elevate themselves up to an equal level of responsibility, right. rights, and opportunities. Well, it's always easier to compare yourself to the lowest common denominator. And if mm-hmm. you've got somebody that's just a, you know, a, a guy that, that treats women terribly or what, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, then let's have a woman that treats men mm-hmm. terribly mm-hmm. and just discards them or whatever. I just don't feel like that that really helped the situation at all. No, it doesn't empower anybody. It actually weakens everybody. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think the... But, you know, it's interesting because you do see some of those very same men mm-hmm. who did want to go sow their wild oats and and mm. boys will be boys, but they wanted their woman as pure as the driven snow yeah, yeah. Um, with no past or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be perfect and everything else. And you you see, you you sometimes I think you can see it in uh, how they raise their kids. Mm-hmm. You, you end up yeah. with uh, people mm-hmm. who make different rules for their boys and their girls. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if my boy wants to go sow his wild oats, but my girl better, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. threaten the boy with the shotgun and the whole deal. And so obviously we have some stereotypes mm-hmm. that that have, you know, stereotypes sometimes exist for a reason. And it's because there was a double standard. And for a lot of people, there mm-hmm. still is a double standard. The, the point though, is that instead of 
of going, oh, well, then I guess it's okay for my daughter to go yeah, whatever yeah. to. It, the, the answer is, hey, how about you teach both of your kids to respect other people enough to mm. um, to not force themselves on one another and not to... Or to not, not even force. Don't, don't put yourself in a compromising situation because you respect not only yourself, but you respect the other person. And, and you recognize that both of you have value and you're both to be treated as human beings mm-hmm. instead as nothing more than an opportunity for a good time. And, and again, I, I agree with you. I think this is this case where, well, there's a double standard. Well, whenever you have a double standard, you can do one of two things. You can lower the standard for everybody or you can elevate the standard for everybody. And, and I feel like a lot of the attitude that we have in some of these things has to do with lowering the standard and nobody ends up benefiting from that. Mm-mm. Um, and, but again, it, it goes into this, it goes into this mentality of where are the, when we look at this and how this is now impacting politics and specifically the way the left looks at minorities or women within the Republican party, um, it doesn't match their narrative because theoretically, theoretically what you want, if, if the left is being honest about what they want and what they want is more participation with women and minorities in politics, then theoretically you would be happy that that's taking place at increased levels on both sides of the political aisle. But they're not happy about it, right? They're, they're not happy about it. They actively go after women and minorities that run within the Republican brand. And again, I, I think it goes back to that whole idea of they, they see themselves as the protectors of these people. And so anybody that doesn't agree with them has either been brainwashed, right? And are just voting with their husbands, as Hillary Clinton says, or they, they called an Uncle Tom like Tim Scott did. And, and again, here's what I would love to see. Here's what I would consider honest. When Tim Scott gives, stands up and he gives his statement, or when Tina's expressing you know, her, her policy principles, if you disagree with those principles, if you disagree with the, the argument that is being made, great, come back, make a better argument. Mm-hmm. And, and you should be able to do that without having to interject, without having to inject a racial component or, or a sex component or anything right. else. You should just be able to say, look, here's the merits of the argument. Because the beautiful thing, regardless of what critical race theory would tell us, the beautiful thing about logic and reasoning is the truth is that we are all equally bound by it. And, and that's not some, and I don't mean bound in the sense that we're, um, that, that somehow is oppressive. It's a freeing component. And this is one of the things that I think we've also recognized you know, not just in life in general, but in our marriage with respect to the way we raise our kids, mm-hmm. is that there is a standard of truth. And that standard of truth comes in, in foundationally from our faith. It's the idea that based off of the roles that we have within our family or within society, the authority one might have, um, you, you may have certain authority based off of your status. That doesn't mean you have the authority to change the nature of truth. And one of the things that I have seen that has been so beneficial just in, in our interactions, our interactions with our kids, is that if, if one of my kids come to me and says, you know, Daddy, I think you're wrong about this and this is why, and they can actually point to a good logical, art, uh, you know, a logical argument, they can provide evidence, or they can show me in Scripture where I'm wrong on something, well, then I'm wrong, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, don't, I don't then come back and say, because I'm your dad. Or because I'm this, or because I'm that, I'm right. You know, because of my gender, because of my skin. I don't say that. It's no, you're right. That's an objective truth, which mm-hmm. all of us are bound by. And and 
I think that doesn't provide oppression, it provides liberty, but my gosh. I feel like there is a point where when you've made a good argument mm -hmm. and you don't agree with the left, a mm -hmm. lot of times you have a situation where they're so utterly offended that they're not even thinking about an argument to come back at you mm -hmm. with. They're offended mm -hmm. that you even had the audacity to think outside of what they think you should think. <laughs> so so um, I feel like sometimes um, that's one of the reasons why we just, I mean, I, I have lots and lots of screenshots of people, <laughs> uh, you know, calling me a lot of terrible, terrible names. These mm. are people that don't know me. Mm. Uh, they, they haven't given any thought to why I believe what I believe. They haven't listened to my argument, but I am definitely all the things they say I am. Mm. And it's just- and In their mind. Yeah. In their mind. And, and that's just it, is that it doesn't matter if you're right. It doesn't matter mm. if, if the truth is on your side, especially, I mean, let's face it, the left is changing definitions left and right, mm -hmm. and they're changing what they believe truth is, and everything is fluid. I mean, gosh, they're even changing uh, feminism mm -hmm. to the point where it's now no good for women. I mean, <laughs> you've got these girls um, competing in sports and having their scholarships go elsewhere mm -hmm. um, because they, uh, they, they, maybe lost a race to someone that a few months ago was a boy and now they're a girl. And this person now got that scholarship that this girl has well, been working very hard for. You know, it's, it's interesting. That I, I, had, I had a bill, I had a bill before the General Assembly that said that if it was, if it was a women's shelter, then that women's shelter had the, had the authority to say, look, we're only gonna have women in the women's shelter because it was usually women that were fleeing, fleeing some sort of horrible physical and abusive. mental abuse, mm -hmm. right? A, a, a mental, horrible physical and mental abusive relationship predominantly at the hands of another man. And so I thought it was reasonable to expect that if you're a woman that has fled into this environment, you might not be comfortable with the presence of men in that environment. And so I said, well, look, I, I, think, that's, I think that makes sense. I, I think that our, our primary yeah. obligation within this environment is to make sure that that woman that is fleeing an abusive relationship feels safe within their environment and that that organization should be able to set up certain restrictions or rules mm -hmm. in order to make sure that they're focused on their primary function, which is making her feel safe and giving her a place Maybe to I be. I got told, <laughs> I got told by a, the Democrat chairman of the committee he looks at me with a straight face and he goes, well, we all know that gender and sex is fluid. I mean, they used to at least make the differentiation between gender and sex, Yeah, like right? five minutes later, they're doing a carve out for women-owned businesses. Yeah, oh, Are you kidding? They were. And, and he, he looks back at me and, and clearly I'm a horrible human being because I want this. I, I want, and, and I didn't require the shelters to do this. I just said that they could do it. I wanted to make clear in the law that they could do that, that they weren't going to come into any they weren't going to run afoul of the law if they wanted to set up that sort of environment. And uh, he looks at me, he goes, okay, Nick, I'm going to give you, or Delegate Freitas, I'm going to give you a scenario. You know, a, a transgender woman leaves a, a violent relationship, shows up to this shelter, and what are they going to say? You know, lift your dress, drop your pants. And I look back at him and I said, well, no, I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. Here's what I think is going to happen, Mr. Chairman. You know how when you go and you apply to be a woman-owned small business 
and you present their various things that the government requires you to present in order to justify you as a women-owned small business, I think it would be something more along those lines. And he looks back and he goes, well, well, we could argue this all day. I'm like, no, I don't think we can. No, pretty much not. I don't think we can. I mean, basically, because, because that same legislator voted for carve-outs for women, economic carve-outs for women. And I asked the question, I'm like, how do you even know? Right? How do you know anymore? How does the government make that determination? And again, a lot of people looked at it as, oh, that's kind of funny and flippant and sarcastic. No, it, it's an honest question. Because more and more we're getting to this point where one minute we're defined we're almost exclusively defined by our race or our sex. And the next minute we're told that all of those things are fluid. And I'm sitting here racking my mind going, okay, well, look, you have all these rules in society. And in some cases, those rules are not just social norms. They're actual laws. And you have set up certain laws in order to benefit people based off of sex or based off of race. Mm-hmm. And now you're coming back and saying all of that is fluid and I'm trying to figure out, well, okay, well then how do we, how do we apply this or who does this even apply to anymore? And the moment I ask that question, I'm a mean you're, guy. You're a sexist. And it's you're like, a wait patriarchy. a second. But here's what's really crazy is, I mean, using the logic or mm-hmm. lack thereof mm-hmm. that he was, he was using, I mean, in his world, the husband who, or, or, or boyfriend or whoever it was mm-hmm. that was abusing and oppressing that woman who was seeking out help mm-hmm. and needing to go somewhere to get escape abuse, mm-hmm. that man, and, and let's not pretend that everybody is a good person. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of really bad people, which is why we need women's shelters and mm-hmm. things like that. And, uh, you know, if you, if you have set it up to where this man who has horribly oppressed this woman mm-hmm. and, and beaten her or or done something awful to her um, or her children, if he can then follow her to this shelter and claim to be a woman, mm-hmm. they've got to let him in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and, and, and again, they, they're creating an environment where she cannot escape her abuser mm-hmm. if he is bent on actually well, and then their, their, argu- their argument would be go get a restraining order or that the actions would determine things, not the identification. And, and okay, I get all of that. But I, the larger question here is, I, I do not understand the reasoning which says in one moment, the most fundamental thing about you, um, like the, literally the, the almost exclusive source of your identity is your race or your sex. And then the next minute, says that, oh, but those things are also fluid. Like, I, I don't understand how they're going to actually create policy to achieve those things. And, and again, it, it ends up being this series of contradictions um, with one minute it's, well, we want more people, we want more people of this sex or this race to be involved in politics. Okay, they are. Okay, well now, well, we only want people of that race or this sex to be involved in politics if they think this way. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, look, I can understand someone saying, I'm only going to vote for a particular person if, if they share my values. I get that. That makes right. sense. That, that is, when, when Martin Luther King talks about judged by the content of one's character, not the color of the skin, I relate to that. I get that. That, makes, that is a logically consistent statement with which I can understand and relate right. to. But then you don't get to come back later and say, well, no, the standard, this is an automatic good if this thing takes place. Okay, well, that thing took place in the Republican Party. Oh, well, now it's not a good. Okay, well, now there's some other criteria that you're using. So figure it out because the only way that this is going to work for a a peaceful society Mm -hmm. is that if there are common standards and and there's a a certain degree 
of objective thought processes that we can go to when we can say, well, okay, but if you're doing this, that's contradictory. And if it's contradictory, it's probably not going to achieve what you want. And if your response back to me is, well, then you're, because you pointed out my contradiction, you're a racist or you're a sexist, or because you're someone of a particular race or sex that has pointed out my contradiction, you're now a traitor. There's no room for peaceful disagreement in that situation. Well, I think that you're just, you're making a fatal mistake when considering the uh, logic of the left, honestly. It's the fact that it doesn't, they, things don't have to cohere on the left. Um, There's a reason why I am a conservative. I'm a Mm. liberty-minded Republican is Mm. because I feel like, Uh, A lot of the ideas on the left are just absurd Mm -hmm. and they don't jive with uh, logic and they don't jive with reality. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's because of that. And it's when I point that out that I get the most abuse. You know, Mm -hmm. it's 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 a it's a really interesting thing when. I think the ultimate goal on the left is power, mm-hmm. is to be in power. And if if socialism is kind of the end goal, well, it makes sense, right? And and the way that they'll squash out anybody who mm-hmm. who disagrees with them is the same way socialists have always <laughs> squashed out people who well, disagree with them. Yeah. And I mean, it is a very violent way of thinking. Everything that they want to do is is through force. And mm-hmm. And they'll make, you know, arguments and things like that to in order to further confuse their own people to s- stay on their side. I mean, well, it, th- I think really what this is, is it's it's the idea that I will tell you what you want to hear mm-hmm. and I will tell you what you want to hear and you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And even if they completely, mm-hmm. um, you know, contradict one another, it doesn't matter because everything's in a vacuum for them. Mm-hmm. and they've partitioned off life, they've partitioned off people, Mm -hmm. divided people up into these groups and categories. Mm -hmm. And so these rules apply here, but not here. And these rules apply here, but not there. Mm -hmm. And they just like what they like Mm -hmm. and they don't like what they don't like. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Even that's fluid Mm -hmm. because tomorrow (laughs) they might like something else and now cancel the previous thing. And, um, so, I mean, it, it's just gotten to the point where I can't even take people seriously anymore. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I get, and, and I've, I've pointed this out before. Um, I've even gotten in trouble with con- conservatives for saying this. And, you know, we're talking about, because I, I think part of it is the, is the level of reasoning. I mean, there's a reason why postmodernism is not popular on the right. Like postmodernism, critical theory, it's not popular on the right. And, and, Again, they, we get told that it's like, well, it's not popular on the right because you want these rigid Western standards of logic and truth and reasoning. And like, no, it's I don't even consider those Western. I just consider them to be what they are. And they, they seem to work when they are applied, right? Like you can't have the scientific method without the laws of logic. You can't. The scientific method rests upon concepts of law of identity, law of excluded middle, law of non-contradiction, law of rational inference, right? These things are building blocks for which we observe reality and make certain conclusions about it. But then you take postmodernist notions, which are incredibly popular on the left. And I shouldn't, again, when I say left, I'm not talking about everyone that 
calls themselves a Democrat or even calls themselves a liberal. I'm talking more about this hard leftist or left-wing mentality. It's more, it's more rooted in kind of a Marxist view of it's reality. It's very militant. The world. It's the militant well, it's, left. It's just viewed, it, I wouldn't even say that because I've told people before, look, if your idea of socialism is you wanted to get together with a, a bunch of people and you guys want to pool all of your resources, you want to buy a bunch of land, you want to grow crops, you want to knit your own sweaters, you want to sell, you know, I, I don't know, herbal tea, whatever it is you want to do. Or if you want to design the next iPhone, right? Like, I don't care. Go for it. I will, I, not only will I not stand in your way, I will protect with everything in me your right to go off and voluntarily live in that sort of environment. Aww. But you don't get to force me to come with That's you. That's the problem. See, honey, <laughs> you need to understand, uh, the left has this problem with the word voluntary. Well, it's, also, it's also very closely linked with um, consent. <laughs> hey, left, just yeah. to let you know, yeah. uh, you like doing a lot of things without consent. Well, I'm just saying. But I, I saw this I saw this today when I made a comment. I made this comment on Facebook. It actually got a lot of traction. And all I said was, I, I've got a solution to all the political discord. Regardless of who's in power, let's give less power to politicians. That way, the major life decisions you make have less to do with temporary occupants of political office that don't even know you. We, we could even call it freedom. And I had someone <laughs> honestly come on there and say, if, if these elected representatives don't have power, then these other rich people and corporations are going to have the power and we'll have less power. And I'm thinking to myself going, oh my gosh, this is the mentality. It's the mentality that, no, I want the ability to not be able to live my life the way I want. I want the ability to be able to force you to live in a way that I think you should, because that's good for society. And so for them, it's this idea, well, no, if the government that I like is forcing you to do that, well, you got to vote, so this is consent. You just lost the vote. And this is another- Think of all the things <sighs> they could do or oh my have gosh. done. Yeah. Oh you my know, I, I mean, there is a lot of our history that was perpetrated oh, yeah. with that mindset. Yeah. And it's just, it's more of the same from the Democrats. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. I well, mean, it's not- it, I, I keep hearing people go, oh, this isn't your grandfather's, whatever. Whatever. It is there. Recycling the same mm. view of dehumanizing certain people mm. in order to elevate other people. I mean, mm. this is in their DNA as a party. I'm not. Yeah, so I would say, like, study your party's history a little bit. Maybe you're not a Democrat. And that's that's great. Please. Well, please. And, but but here's what I here's what I go back to. Right. Um, because I understand people get frustrated with the whole Democrat Republican paradigm. Um, I get that. But what I'm saying is this. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like we're canceling everything right now and there's so much cancel culture. <laughs> I feel like there is this huge monument to racism that still exists today and it's called the Democratic Party and they should probably go ahead and cancel that. Well, I, well, oh, I, I'm sorry. That wasn't. No, fair. no. It, <laughs> what it is is that I think in some way it distracts from what the larger argument is. Like, look. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't, political parties are not what is important to me. No, it's the ideas that they're espousing, okay, but, which is why I don't. But this is what I'm saying, right? right. A, a political party is a tool. It is a mechanism in order to achieve certain results within a political environment. Mm -hmm. Fine, right? And, and some are better at achieving those results than others. But this is the, the problem that I have with that comment that that guy made about like, oh, well, you know, our elected representatives carry out essentially the national will. Yeah, this might is, makes right. Well, this is, 
this is fascist. Yeah. And it, and it's not coming from, I'm sorry, but I don't see it predominantly coming from, you know, conservatism or certainly not from libertarianism. It, it, it's a question of how do you see, when, when you talk about people being able to live the way that they want or live a good life, let's put it that way, live a good life. There, there is this underlying commitment on the left that we're going to arrive at what living a good life is by some sort of corporate understanding in the sense of the collective. And once they've decided what that is, how do they decide what that is? Well, it's easy. They vote. And once they voted, well, now we have, we have the authority to implement what we want. I'm sorry, but you are not going to trace that reasoning back to conservative ideology within the American tradition. You're no. not going to, you're not going to trace it back to libertarian philosophy or just liberty minded philosophy. And but, it's but not it's, constitutional. I mean, well, but, but the point that I'm getting at is this is also why I see the left put such an emphasis on democracy, right? Yeah. And on the right, or, or at least the right I occupy, we put an emphasis on individual liberty, right? Like for me, the fact that you got 51% of the voting public to approve something in no way, shape, or form makes it correct to me. Assuming I mean, you got 51%. <laughs> well, I'm but just saying, it, it, okay, you might have gone through a legal process. And, and yes, I understand that with the way, with respect to how government power is used, allowing people to vote is better than the alternative. But there is a huge misunderstanding when you think that, well, because our political representatives have this power to do it. And that's how, that's how we achieve justice. Well, hold the hell on. Mm -hmm. No, I want to maximize individual liberty, not because I think everybody's going to make a great decision for their own life, but because I, I have far less concern about individuals making choices and then assuming responsibility for those choices. I have far less concern about an environment which fosters that mentality than I do a mentality which fosters that, well, whatever the democracy says, whatever a majority of the polity says, we can now use force, coercion, and violence in order to implement it, and that's just, or that's good. Well, but, it, but accompanying that and the reason why they do feel like they need to strong arm everybody into whatever morality they have assigned that day, I mean, mm -hmm. give it five minutes, um, you know, part of it is because they've parsed people down into all these, they've, they've put everybody into these little categories and subcategories mm -hmm. and explained to them how they're oppressed here and you're oppressed there and this oppresses you and that oppresses mm -hmm. him and her. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's this point where look without us mm -hmm. making all these rules, yeah you would continue to be oppressed by all these people. And they've got to sit here and convince people over and over again mm. that they're being oppressed in some way, shape, or form. And, I mean, you know what my answer is? Second Amendment. <laughs> I'm saying that, no, you know, it's I, hard to oppress somebody that um, has fully yeah. uh, empowered themselves with their Second Amendment rights. Well, but it, it is, it, it, and it's one of the reasons we have it, is because, mm -hmm. you know, Governing bodies have a history of liking to... No, governing bodies have a, a, a history of oppressing people that they desire to control. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, so and I just, and I, I get concerned when a governing body now assumes for itself a certain degree of authority that I don't think it actually has simply because a majority voted for it. Now, that's, that's not to say, again, Winston Churchill said, democracy is a horrible form of government. It just happens to be the best. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, what he meant by that is, 
the only way government solves problems or, or addresses problems, I shouldn't say solve, addresses problems, is they do, through, they do so through coercion, force, and violence. And so, yes, if, if there's elements in society where we have to adjudicate things, whether it's war or criminal law or things like that, yeah, I would prefer an environment where the people actually get to vote on their representatives and the laws versus one where some sort of oligarchy just decides. But again, I, I really want it limited to those areas where we're talking about involuntary human interaction. We're talking about somebody else trying to oppress, steal, rob, murder, rape somebody else. That's when I want to talk about like, okay, we're all now going to vote on how's the government going to use violence in this situation in order to protect somebody that was just trying to live their life versus somebody else that was trying to oppress them. And other people see it as, well, gosh, we got all this power. Why would we, why would we limit the use of that power only to these things? We should expand it to everything else. And then, and then it all becomes, this goes back, we're, we're bringing this all around. <laughs> this goes back to, if you view government as the primary way to solve problems, then it really becomes a, a zero-sum game. If this is no longer about you and I working together in voluntary cooperation, can address issues. And when we disagree, we leave each other alone. We don't try to force right. it. We leave each other alone. And when we agree, we work together to achieve something good. And over time, as we see what works and what doesn't work, more people agree to do the good things and, and fewer people agree to do the bad things, right? But in each case, we're respecting, you know, kind of like your sovereignty as an individual, your liberty. But if, you, if you've rejected that, and this now becomes strictly an oppressor versus oppressed, and it's about who's going to control the power because the power is going to be used to impose your will, well, now everything's off the table. Because if, if the only positive objective you, you can point to is controlling government power to achieve what you think is good, well, then why wouldn't you divide people up? Why wouldn't you divide and conquer? Why wouldn't you categorize people by whatever base instinct mm -hmm. or, or prejudice that you can foster if it gets you power because after all, you're the good guy and ends justify the means. And that is what I find, that, that's the only thing when I come back to that explains to me this idea of constantly trying to keep people in this, this position of victimization or oppression where the only way they can rise up is if they connect themselves with the right, right group and if, you, and if they've invited you based off of your sex, based off of your race, to mm -hmm. join that group and you reject it, yeah. oh my gosh, that automatically makes you enemy number one. Right. Absolutely. It's, I, I love the fact that we had this whole conversation and you came back around and just made all my points over again. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I'm so glad you think the way I tell you to. I, I'm, I'm so glad too. Please help me. <laughs> well... But, uh, it it is um, it is interesting. I mean, in in Republican circles, you know, some some re Republicans have kind of latched on to this idea of dividing people up and doing yeah. this kind of thing. And mm -hmm. uh, it is it is kind of sad to see it take hold mm -hmm. sometimes. This idea that oh well, you know, I I like this candidate and I like that candidate, but you know, maybe this candidate uh, will be able to convince the left. <laughs> um, look. I've been a woman running. <laughs> the left literally put together an effort to stop me mm -hmm. from winning a Republican primary. Mm -hmm. I mean, they went out and voted in mass, in, mass, in mm -hmm. the primary. Yeah. I mean, they, they 
put articles together. I mean, I, they put me, like, they made me look like I was some kind of an unhinged, crazy woman who had been, like, radicalized on the right. It's, it's crazy how they will try to caricature anyone who goes against them. And it's just really convenient to use, you know, race, gender, um, sexual preference, things like this. Mm. Um, it's, it's real convenient to use all of that against a cisgender, cisgendered white male. But um, then when, you, when you've got somebody that actually identifies with some of those categories, you, you now, they're, they're having to find, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. Why? Well, I can't use the same argument, so I'm just going to, I, I'm going to use the same uh, broken, tired record. You're a racist. You're yeah. a, I mean, Tim Scott got called a racist. Yeah. And it is it is really interesting. I mean, I'm a sexist, you know, mm. for for my views, and it's just it's crazy. Like, it's crazy for a woman to go out and and say, "Hey, guess what? All issues are women's issues: healthcare, mm-hmm. um, education, tax policy, you know, mm-hmm. trade policy, national defense, national yeah. defense." I mean, all of these things are women's issues, and mm. to boil it all down to you know, being able to abort your baby is ridiculous and sexist. Well, and again, I, I think, because we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but I, the, the problem I have with the reasoning, like I, I didn't, I completely expected the left to come out and oppose you. Yeah. Because you guys disagree on policy. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. I get that. What I, what I find interesting is that if the roles were reversed, you know, a man running against you, if you were a Democrat woman, a man running against they would have held up the fact that at least one of the chief qualifications that you possessed was the fact that you were a woman running mm-hmm. against a man. Yeah. But when all of a sudden that was different and they agreed with the policies of the man more than they agreed with the policies of the woman, right. all of a sudden it was it was open season. And, and my point is, is that, look, you, you actually got it right. Hear me out. You actually got it right when you opposed Tina based off of your differences on policy positions. Sure. I expect you, that. You got it right there. Right. Right now, again, I disagree with you on the policy position. I obviously voted for you, sweetheart. Thank but, you, babe. But you don't get to then flip it when you find it inconvenient on the other side. But if you're going to continue to do that, and, and we see this all across the place, when the standards only apply in one direction, they're not standards anymore. No. And and what I what I get concerned about, not just with that sort of reasoning on the left, but what I get concerned about about what I see happening on the right is that when it comes to economic policy or things like that, I don't want to see the right adopting this underlying presupposition that, well, this works in politics, so we should use it. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, we need these intersectionality points in well, order to let's just get back to the ideas. Yeah. Just get back to the ideas. I mean Personal individual freedom is good for everybody. Yeah. And and why why do we have to be divided uh, mm-hmm. on on these on these issues when when being able to make your own decisions that's that's freedom for everyone. Mm-hmm. And and I don't understand why um, the left is so fearful of that freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's all I can equate it to. It's just fear and hatred. Um, well, and, it's really and it, sad. And I mean, I am convinced. <clears throat> that, you know, I used to wonder why a lot of the women I knew who were on the left just really had this hatred toward men. Like, mm-hmm. we were talking about mm-hmm. marriage and it being an impression toward, you mm-hmm. know, with these women. And it 
finally occurred to me when I was chewed out probably for the third or fourth time on the campaign trail by a leftist male um, that, you know, I think I understand why liberal women hate men now. And it's because they're always around liberal men. And on that note, <laughs> though, no, again, um, how are you going to top that? I'm not. You're just I'm not, not. going to try to top that. I'm going right. to stand over here and yes. admire the wisdom of the matriarchy. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> well, hey, listen, once again, thank you for joining us on Making the Argument. Um, please watch, share, subscribe, give us a review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We usually try to put these out to our Facebook channels as well. Um, inevitably, whenever we get together... Like Blue Virginia has, like, we already know that there's going to be like, probably, you know, it's a good day when I make Blue Virginia like two times. There's going to be week. like three articles written about how horrible we are as a result of I this. Know. But, um, but look, a lot of people have asked us, like, you know, how do we, how do we share ideas? How do we get, well, look, this is how you do it, right? You, you have to have people that are willing to get out there and actually share the ideas, have the conversations, have the discussion, um, get behind kind of the den of the, the soundbite on what you see on the media nowadays. Um, but the only way that we can continue to do that is that if you do like, share, and subscribe. And, and I've had people come before like, why are you on YouTube? Or why are you on Facebook? Or why are these? Are... I'll tell you why. Because we can reach hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people that way. Um, and if we're not willing to go into that environment and compete, well, then we shouldn't be surprised when that environment becomes completely you know, uh, uh, obsessed and completely dominated by a worldview which is antithetical to our own. So yes, we're gonna compete in every area that we have the ability to compete in, and we need your help to be able to do that. So once again, thank you for watching the Making, making the Argument. Thank you very much to my wife, Tina, for being here. See you next and time. She beat me to it. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>